so many of them in the years after the war, they, you know, people would ask them about their, you know, what they did or people would interview them and they would really respond. And this is really true throughout, for not only Poland, but throughout the World War II generation in general, you know, that what I did wasn't extraordinary. You know, it was what was normal and it was what everyone should have done. And so I feel like yeah. that is just really a, such a testament to courage and to people, you know, really just looking upon their circumstances and choosing to act rather than remain indifferent. Welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm your host, Allison Treat. Hello, readers, and welcome back to the show. I am super excited to share a conversation with you today. I talked to Amanda Barrett a few weeks ago about her book, which released just on Tuesday, and it's called The Warsaw Sisters. So a little bit about Amanda Barrett. She is the best-selling author of numerous historical novels and novellas, including The Warsaw Sisters, which released Tuesday, Within These Walls of Sorrow and The White Rose Resists. Her work has been the recipient of the Christie Award and the Carroll Award, as well as an honorable mention in the Forward Indies Book of the Year Awards. So Amanda and I talked about this book, The Warsaw Sisters, which is set during World War II in Poland, obviously, in Warsaw. Um, and she'll tell you more about the book. But I just thought our conversation was, there was so much covered in such a short amount of time. I mean, Amanda just has a wealth of knowledge about what was going on in Poland during World War II, things that I just didn't know about, about this um network of women that were sheltering Jewish children, and then um, also the Poland's secret army. And um, there's so much you're going to learn about in this conversation. You know, it's not your typical World War II novel about the French resistance, which of course, I enjoy that as much as the next lover of historical fiction. But this is a little bit different. And so that's really exciting. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Amanda Barrett. Amanda, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much, Allison. It is such a joy to be here. Oh, great. I'm glad to have you too. Um, your latest novel, The Warsaw Sisters, released on Tuesday. Can you tell me about this book? Oh, absolutely. So the Warsaw Sisters is the story of twin sisters and in occupied Poland during World War II and their journeys of resistance and resilience. This novel, I was able to delve into events and heroes pulled from the pages of history, such as the, the daring network of women who rescued hundreds of Jewish children from the Warsaw ghetto and the resistance of Poland's underground army that rose up in 1944 in Warsaw and this heroic and tragic battle for the city's liberation. Mm. It, it's a heart, it, at its heart, though, it's a story about sisters, and it's about women forged by war and the complex and enduring bond that exists between sisters, and it's been such a joy to be able to share it. Oh, great. Um, I understand that true stories inspired this novel. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so this novel was basically the culmination of years of research into Poland during the Second World War. My previous novel, Within These Walls of Sorrow, delved into Poland in the Krakow ghetto and the city of Krakow. This novel goes mm. to explore the stories of Warsaw. And I mean, there were so many stories. There was um, a, this group of women. Um, one of them was Irena Sendler. Um, they were social workers in Warsaw. And Irena and her comrades rescued these children from the Warsaw ghetto. So they had passes um 
authorized by them, by the Warsaw Department of Social Welfare that allowed them to go into the ghetto. And at first they were just smuggling food and medicine and typhus vaccines. But as the situation in the Warsaw ghetto became dire and the deportations began and there were Mm -hmm. thousands of Jewish people being sent daily to Treblinka extermination camp, Irena and her comrades decided to smuggle children out. And so they did that in a variety of ways. They smuggled them out through the courthouse. They took them out in baskets. They would carry babies out in, you know, in ambulances and all of these varieties of ways. And then not only were there women smuggling the children out, but there were women sheltering the children in their homes. And in occupied Poland, the Germans made it very clear that to aid or shelter a Jew was punishable by death. And so these women would take the children into their homes and they would care for them until more permanent placement could be found. And together, these group of women saved hundreds um, the network that Irena worked with, the Zagoda organization, is rescued as many as 2,500 Jewish children during the war. So that is one of the stories. And the other true stories that my novel is inspired by was the women who fought in the Warsaw Uprising of 1944. So Poland's underground army, the Home Army, um, rose up in Warsaw in August and attempt to liberate the city from German occupation as the, as the Soviets were advancing and Germans were retreating. They seized upon this moment and attempt to liberate the city and and nearly 12,000 women were serving in the home army and they were couriers and they were nurses and they were even combatants. Some of them even fought with weapons in hand. And these women's wow. the story of these women was absolutely extraordinary. So I really love being able to delve into a part of history that I think a lot of people don't know about and was very, you know, really enjoyed sharing it. Yeah, no, you're right. A lot. I mean, I had not heard about either of these, you know, situations. Um, I feel like Poland maybe isn't, exposed as much. There are so many books about, you know, France and England during World War II that I think maybe some of Eastern Europe Europe is neglected. Yes, I, I found that quite a bit. I mean, I'm an avid reader of World War II fiction, and I love the novel set in France or in, right, right. or in those other places. But Poland's story, you know, when I came to like searching for historical fiction, there is very little about it. I think that, um, you know, the resistance narrative of Poland has even been somewhat minimized, you know, in the his- by historians, by the resistance narratives of other European countries. And so, and being the great granddaughter of Polish immigrants, I have mm. this real affinity for Polish history and culture. And so sharing these stories was really personal to me thinking about that I may have had ancestors who lived in, you know, in Poland during those dark days. Yeah. Wow. So um, do you know when your great, you said great granddaughter, I'm a, I'm the great granddaughter of um, Slovak immigrants, but they came before the war though. So do you know that your grandparents or great grandparents were there? Um, they had immigrated, but I am sure they had, they were in the U S at that point, but I'm sure that they had other relatives, siblings. Right. I haven't been able to delve too much into that yet, but I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Recently, a family member shared, um, like a photo scan of my great, you know, great grandfather's, you know, his paperwork that he had when he came over and looking at that was just, it was amazing. I'm the historian right. and the research nerd in me just wants to delve into and learn those stories. Yeah. Yeah. That I love that kind of stuff too. I love learning about my ancestors as well. You know, you talked about a little bit the different ways that the sisters helped in the war effort. Um, can you give more details, uh, any more details without spoilers about how they got into their their separate paths? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. So Antonina um, is one of the women who she becomes involved in the network of women rescuing Jewish children. She doesn't intend to become involved. It's not really on her radar, but she becomes pulled into that world and is and is one of the women who shelters the children in her home. So, you know, I think Arena Sendler's story is pretty well known. Um, you know, she was the one sneaking into the ghetto and rescuing the children. But what I thought mm-hmm. about the women who were sheltering, hiding these children in their homes, I mean, think about hiding a little child, having that, having to keep that little child quiet, having to to getting children who are malnourished and who have experienced extreme trauma and having to, you know, basically, you know, help them in those first days outside the ghetto. And so researching that was extraordinarily compelling. And then Helena is really inspired by these women who were part of the Polish underground movement, both before the Warsaw Uprising and then during the Warsaw Uprising. These women were absolutely incredible. Before the uprising, you know, they were working as couriers for their individual resistance cells. They were training. They trained them even with weapons so they would be prepared. Although when the Warsaw Uprising started, very few insurgents had guns because the home army was so under-equipped. But these, I mean, these women were just, I mean, they were experiencing battle, guerrilla warfare in Warsaw as, you know, the Polish resistance was attempting to liberate the city. They took back large swaths of the city in the early days, but then Germans brought in reinforcements and those reinforcements began to massacre civilians. And there were a couple of districts where, like the district of Wola, um, there were 40 to 50,000 civilians massacred in approximately about a week. Goodness, wow. And my character, not to give too many spoilers away, but my character, Vantanina, finds herself in the district of Wola during this massacre. And so I was able to explore that. I mean, the just the Ma- Wola massacre was actually the largest single battlefield massacre of the Second World War. And so I, I, I had no idea about it. I mean, right. I didn't, until really I started to delve into the research for this book. And the more I just explored it, the more I thought that, well, this really needs to be shared with more people. You know, these stories need to be told. Yeah. So... I do want to talk about your research process because you said that um, this is the culmination of many years of research. You know, how do you go about making sure, because you provide a lot of details in your novels. Um, how do you make sure that, that these details are accurate? How do you find them? Yeah, just kind of give me an overview of how you start and how the research process goes. So I had a background. I've always been intrigued by the Holocaust and those stories have really begun when I first discovered the diary of Anne Frank at around the age of eight. And I began to read, you know, every, there were so many great books for young readers about the Holocaust. So my interest in that has really started at a young age. And so I, I yeah. knew about like the, the uprising in the Warsaw ghetto and I knew a little bit about that resistance, but it wasn't until my last novel within these walls of sorrow that I really began to delve deep into Poland during the second world war. And it was a bit difficult, um, gathering sources because um, there's not as much written about Poland that's available in the U.S. in English. And I don't speak enough Polish to read, you know, Polish sources. So I really had to rely on what there was in English. Thankfully, I got very good at using a translation service um, and typing a lot of documents. And so I was able to access those. But um, I, I read widely. I always seek those personal accounts as well as getting like those historical tomes. I really, I look for those, you know, those memoirs, those per, those diaries, those letters, those things like that, that really are able to not only give you the panoramic view of what's going on historically, but those deeply personal experiences of individuals and families, because those, I just feel like those are often where my best ideas come from. Um, mm, yeah. 
And um, one of the best and most um, powerful experiences of the research process was when I visited um, in a couple of hours from where I live, there's actually a museum and they have a collection of artifacts related to the Polish resistance and the home army and the Warsaw uprising. And the director very graciously gave me a tour of that, even though the museum was closed at the time. So I was able to, you know, see the underground newspaper that the Polish resistance published during the occupation that these women would carry in their satchels and distribute secret. They had armbands worn by the soldiers during the uprising. I had a, he let me hold, you know, helmets and caps worn by fighters. And so it was just, it really brought history to life and made it that, yeah. you know, these, this is, this is tangible history. These were real people who wore these, you know, who held these objects, who used this and who lived through these experiences. And so that was my favorite moment of the whole research process and one that really informed the novel. Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. So like this, this novel has themes of, um, you know, courage, sacrifice, and the resilience of our deepest bonds. Can you talk about some of those themes? Well, as I researched, I came across all of these stories of courage birthed by adversity. I mean, there were these women and, you know, they were rescuing Jewish children and they were fighting in the Warsaw Uprising. These people were not, you know, they were not superheroes. They were ordinary people, you know, thrust into this war that they did not choose and forced to face the occupation of their homeland and then decide what their response would be. And I feel like theirs wasn't this courage of choice so much as necessity and, so many of them in the years after the war, they, you know, people would ask them about their, you know, what they did, or people would interview them, and they would really respond. And this is really true throughout, for not only Poland, but throughout the World War II generation in general, you know, that what I did wasn't extraordinary, you know, it was what it was normal, and it was what everyone should have done. And so I feel like yeah. that is just really a, such a testament to courage and to people, you know, really just looking upon their circumstances and choosing to act rather than remain indifference. And I loved exploring the bonds of sisterhood. I have a sister. Um, and so mm. very familiar with that complex and enduring and deep bond that, you know, withstands, can withstand even these dark circumstances. And so I really love being able to delve into that. This is my first novel that focuses on sisters. And so I really love being able to explore that relationship and how that grows and deepens and changes as the novel progresses. Yeah, that's interesting. Do, you don't have a twin sister, do you? No, my sister is three years younger than me, but it's super, it's funny because um, a lot of people as we were growing up, people would say, are you twins? And uh -huh. so there's actually this line in the novel where my character Helena is thinking about herself and she's thinking that though her and Antonina were twins, everyone would always say that she was the younger sister. And that was something I, as the older sister, dealt with. They, people would always think that I was younger. So I was able oh. to put that little fun thing of Helena. I showed, showed it to my sister and we had a good laugh about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's neat. What are you hoping that readers will gain from reading the Warsaw Sisters? Well, there's, there's so many things. I think one of them is that I really hope readers will be, will either if they're familiar with the history that the novel will provide a different perspective, or if they're unfamiliar, you know, that they will learn something and that it may inspire them to research the past. I think it's so important that we be sharing the stories of World War II as more and more World War II veterans and Holocaust survivors pass each year. Yeah. You know, it becomes even more imperative to keep these stories alive. And so fiction, you know, may never should ever replace, you know, reading a memoir, you know, hearing a a Holocaust survivor or veteran speak, but it can provide that stepping stone, if you will, to furthering awareness. And so that's really what I seek with all my novels to just expose people, especially, you know, younger people to that history. And 
I just think that there there are so many stories of these ordinary heroes and there are so many unsung heroes whose stories may never be told, you know, we, that we may never know. And so it, for me to just to be able to illuminate them through my fictional characters, is just really special to me. And I, I guess at, at my heart, you know, the novel, I hope that it will draw readers closer to the Lord, that they will realize mm-hmm. that they are not forsake, forsaken in the sight of God who calls us his. There's this beautiful line in my novel that says, the mark of his presence is not in the absence of pain. And that, you know, I think that we think about, you know, that God's favor upon us means that our life should always be easy, should always be, you know, without right. pain. But really uh, those moments that we are, you know, closest to him are often in those most broken moments, those deepest moments of our deepest suffering. And I think that world World War II stories, especially, you know, some of the darkest days our world has ever known can really illuminate that. Yeah, it is really, when you read about um, what happened during World War II, especially to people right where the war was happening, you know, um, it is hard to conjure up complaints about our own life right now. (laughs) Like, it, it very much is. It is. I've, you know, delving into this history and reading about people, you know, in the Warsaw Ghetto, they're very, you know, hardly, you know, eating just a small portion of bread and maybe a potato mm-hmm. every day and thinking about my own life. And it's like, you know, we should just, just our heart should just overflow with gratitude for our blessings. And, you know, that we have so many blessings when we think about war-torn, you know, countries in the, uh, you know, that's yes. going on right now. It's just, we yes. really just have so much to be thankful for and should really just be in prayer for all the people in the world who are currently experiencing seen those that you know that war-torn conditions and all of that devastation right exactly um so how has other than what you've already mentioned you know how has writing this novel impacted your life it's writing these stories and exploring World War II really always makes me consider my own life, consider what ways can I make a difference. I mean, mm-hmm. there were there were many people in Poland during the war and throughout the war who were who were those bystanders who maybe really just basically probably just tried to survive. But then there were those people who, as I say in my novel, they were the sparks of light in the night of war, the ordinary who quietly resisted. And so to mm-hmm. me, that is yeah. just, how can I be a spark of light in the world that I live in today? You know. And there, and there are so many opportunities, so many ways that we can step into those places. And, you know, whether that's in our own community or elsewhere, just, just seek to love those, you know, the least of these and seek to make a difference in our own spheres. And I think that reading stories about people like Irene Sendler or Meep Gies or Corey Tenboom, there's just so much that we can learn from people like that. Yeah, it's true. And I, I think that's, it's something to ponder all the time. Like, you know, we do have pain and devastation in our world and and would we I always think about like faced with the same situations I pray that I would step up and do the right thing yeah, it's something really to ponder, especially the more that you read about. You read about, you know, like reading about a mother who chose to, you know, hide a Jewish child in her home, even though doing so put her own children's lives at risk. I mean, right. what I have done. And I think that we never really know until the choices before us what we will do, but we just pray that the Lord would give us the strength, you know, just the strength that as he did to those people. Yeah, right. So um, I want to pivot a little bit and and see if you can tell me about how you became a published author, how this all started. 
So I have always loved to write. Um, as a teenager, that was even something that I was, you know, I would, and when I wasn't, you know, doing schoolwork, I would type my no- novels on a computer inspired by my love of Jane Austen and Charlie mm-hmm. Bronte and Charles Dickens. And I took mm-hmm. um, some advanced writing classes even in high school. But, you know, it wasn't until years later that I, you know, began to kind of pursue this, like this journey to publication. And um, I attended um, the American Christian Fiction Writers National Conferences. And it was there I met my agent. Um, and she began sending out my work to different publishers. And it was it was a long journey of rejection and mm. just a lot of, you know, lots of projects that I pitched that never, you know, that never were selected. And now I just think about, you know, that it was really God's grace. I see that his hand was on the timing of all of that, that had things happened at the time that I wanted them to or thought that they should, it, it wouldn't have been right. And so I'm so thankful that he closed those doors and he is so good at doing that, mm. opening doors that need to be opened and closing the doors that need to be closed. And right. Um, my very first published story was actually a novella for a Barbour um, historical romance collection. And oh, yeah. that was um, super fun. It was a novel that was um, set in the Gilded Age. And I wrote quite a few not- novellas for Barbours um, in different historical romance collections. And I absolutely loved doing that. It was I was able to explore everything from Regency England to the California Gold Rush to um, blacksmiths and the, the Cornwall in the you know the early 1800s. And so that was just able to just delve into a lot of different historical time periods and learn about those. Uh, yeah. My first World War II novel was My Dearest Dietrich um, that explored and that came out in 2019. And that was the love story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his fiancee Maria von Wedemeyer. Right. Many people, they know about Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor. He was a theologian. He was executed for his role in the being a part of the anti-Nazi resistance. But so many people don't know that in the midst of the final years of his life, he was engaged to a woman who was um, quite a bit younger than him. And she was able, she was there when he was in prison um, by the Nazis and she would be visiting him in the prison once a month and just being this tremendous support to him. And so I really wanted to know her story. You know, so often we think about, you know, these great, you know, these great men, but there were these women right there with them, you know, helping them. And so I really was able, loved being able to explore her story and kind of bring her out of the shadows of history. And, and after that, um, that led into my next novel, which was The White Rose Resists. And that was another story of World War II Germany resistance. And that one delved into the White Rose Resistance movement. Um, Sophie Scholl um, and her brother Hans formed this group. They were part of, they were college students in Germany and they began to write and distribute leaflets, um, calling on the German people to resistance and basically exposing the lies that the Nazi propaganda was you know, spreading to people. And they were very young college students. And so that was a really fascinating story. Another one of those stories that you really make yourself ask, what would I do in that situation? And their story was it's just utterly fascinating. And I really love being able to explore it through a narrative format. Right. That's interesting. Um, so you've written about like real character, or, yeah, real historical people as characters in your books before. Yes, that that is that it presents its own set of challenges. Yes, I mean, you delve into the research and what's there. I mean, I especially seek in those instances any kind of letters or any kind of diaries or anything. Those are really because that's hearing from them in their own voice. It's not just written what's written about them, but hearing from them. And so, yes, there were some of those. But obviously, when you're in the resistance in Germany in the 1940s, you're not you know writing about your activities. So a lot of that was left in the shadows, and especially with the White Rose, they didn't you know they didn't keep a logbook of what they were doing. So some of that 
that was, you know, that I had to kind of fill in the lines with my fictional pen. But it really is an honor to be able to illuminate their stories, to illuminate the story of Sophie Scholl and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and share them. And I'm always just so deeply humbled when somebody says, you know, I didn't know very much about their story. And then my novel inspires them to delve deeper into the real stories, maybe to read a biography or to, you know, do something like that. Because it's just these stories, they need to be shared. Yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I'm just curious more about your how you went from writing what you wrote for those Barber novella collections, um, which sounds like it really ran the gamut, but a lot of Gilded Age, I guess, right? So how did you end up then writing about World War II? Was it just that you were interested in, in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's story? Um, like what really sparked your interest in that? It was, yes, it was very much so I wrote the Barbour novellas, and then I also had um, a full-length novel for Barbour that was set in Victorian Niagara Falls. So I really had done, you know, a lot of that. And it, it was, it was really discovering the story of Maria von Weidemeyer. I mean, I have always loved World War II been fascinated by with World War II, been intrigued mm-hmm. by those stories. Like I said, I, you know, ever since reading the diary of Anne Frank at a young age. And so right, right. when I discovered Maria's story, it was really this chance to kind of, you know, to, to put on the page, this passion for the stories of the heroes of World War II that has just always been with me. And so it was, and then from then on, the more I researched, research to, to me is a lot like unwrapping layers of tissue paper. Each layer leads to fresh discovery. And the more I continue to delve into World War II, I'm always reading, you know, different histories or memoirs or things like that, the more stories that beg should be told. And I really hope to continue to be able to share them. Yeah, that's great. I, I find that too. The more research I do, the more I find other story ideas. <laughs> so um, on that note, what are you working on next? So I am in that wonderful, just early stages of the research process for my next novel. It's going to also be set in World War II. It's another story of ordinary people and their courage and resilience. And I'm just really in the midst of, you know, releasing the Warsaw Sisters. I'm kind of balancing that with reading all the research books. My librarians are getting to know me very well as I come in and I check out stacks of these out of print books that I'm able to get from interlibrary loan, but I'm very excited to share more. And if readers want to learn more about my next novel, um, they can certainly um, follow me and um, sign up for my newsletter. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I'll be sharing more about that in the weeks and months ahead. Okay. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes for sure. But um, this is a question I ask all my guests. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? And I feel like we kind of touched on that, but maybe you want to add something there's just, to me, there's just so much relevancy. There are so many questions that we can ask ourselves. There is so much that, you know, that has remained unchanged, even as so much has changed. And I just think as we search the past, as we search inspiration from, you know, these, these heroes, these ordinary heroes who did extraordinary things, it can really just speak into our own lives and bring such relevancy. And we can, you know, it can really just be an inspiration to us. I know that for me, as I've gone through my own life and gone through challenges, I've drawn inspiration from these uh, from these heroes, from people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Sophie Scholl. And so yeah. I just think that there is so much that we can learn and be inspired by. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned the ways that listeners can follow you on, on Facebook and Instagram and your newsletter, and they can find that on your website, right? Yes, well, you can find all of those links on my website. Yep. And I, I will link to your website in the show notes and your book. Um, 
which I'm sure people will be interested to check out. So thank you so much for being with us today, Amanda. This was great. Oh, thank you, Allison. This has been such an honor. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I thought it was riveting and inspiring. Just such a good reminder to be one of those people who are courageous in the face of adversity and just do the right thing no matter what. I mean, I think that's true courage. So let me remind you about our show notes. As I mentioned, we will link to Amanda's books there and to her website. You can find the show notes either in your podcast listening app or online at my website at alisontreat.com slash blog. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T dot com slash B-L-O-G. Now, friends, while you're at the show notes, make sure you check out the link to sign up for my newsletter if you haven't already, because that is the best way to keep up with me. But also pretty soon for Black Friday, I'm going to be offering a special deal on my book, One Traveler. So you want to make sure you hear about that. And the best way to hear about that is through my newsletter list. So make sure you give me your email and sign up for that. There are also some freebies that come with that. So you won't want to miss that. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you to help the show out by subscribing or following the show and also leaving a five-star review. That really helps new listeners to find the show. Okay, friends, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I always send you off with a quote. And this one comes from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, a hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer. So my friends, be brave just five minutes longer and keep reading historical fiction. I will talk to you again next week.